That kind of make you want to dance a little bit, doesn't it? <laughs> Open your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, please. Acts chapter 2. If you are not involved and plugged into a life group, I want to encourage you to sign up today. We are in a series entitled Called to Grow. And I believe that you are called to grow. It's not enough that you are just saved and then you go to heaven. I believe there is work to be done while we're here on earth. And so we must grow. And I believe one of the best ways, at least here at La Palma Christian Center, for you to grow is to get involved in our life group ministry. We have a a, a schedule of our life groups and the various homes that will be... uh, hosting and our facilitators. It has exploded, folks. It has grown so drastically. We had to add three new life groups. So we have the one life group, Stacy and Jackie, and they're meeting at uh, Carolyn Baker's, I believe. Yes. We have the Tesoy life group, Roel and Lynn, and they are homeless right now, at least as far as life groups are concerned. Unfortunately, we had a home scheduled and it didn't work out, so I need a home for the Tesoy Life Group. Who would be willing to open their home and let the life and let the Tesoys come in? All right, Sertorius. Anybody else willing to open your home? Because I also have another facilitator in the wing that we need a home for them. Folks, I need your help. I feel like God is doing something dramatic here at La Palma Christian Center, and we are on the verge of explosive growth. Hear me today. I think we are on the brink of going to a whole nother level, or let me say it like this, growing to a whole nother level. We also have the Waterfields who are meeting in the Crone's home right over here. Dina and Brent Crone have opened up their home, and I'm just telling you, I'm thrilled with what God is doing through our life groups. Sign up today. Get plugged in now. Acts chapter 2, one verse, and it's verse 42. It says that they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. And in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Father, we quiet ourselves now, completely amazed at what you have already done here, knowing that you still have more to do. Teach us now. Teach us so that we would be all that you have desired us to be and created us to be. We pray it in Jesus' name. Come on, do you desire to be changed by the power of God's word today? Amen. The New Testament church experienced explosive growth. 3,000 saved on the day that Peter preached his sermon. As I said a moment ago, on the day of Pentecost, something radical happened. The power of God came upon people. The fire of God began to burn in people. And they began to do things and say things that they had never done before. Let it be so today, God. Burn in us. Pour out your spirit upon us. 
As a result of this sermon, 3,000 people were saved. Look at verse number 41 of our text today. Those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 were added to them. I'd say that's a good day of soul winning. What, what do you think? 3,000. And it gets better than that. It says, and daily people were saved. And the Lord, verse 47 says, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I believe there are many factors that play a part in this radical growth. For instance, there was the sermon that was preached. I believe that as I preach, or if Pastor Moses or Pastor Dave, don't you thank God for the capable staff that we have? I mean, I can leave for a couple weeks and everything just goes great. Thank you. But as the sermon is preached, I believe we grow. Peter preached the sermon, verses 14 through 39. He's preaching to the people, giving clarity, explaining things. And people are responding. Why did the church grow? Not only the preaching and the hearing of the word, there was testifying and exhortation. Look at verse number 40 of our text. With many other words, he testified and exhorted them. God has done, done something so unique and so special in your life and in your heart, and you're the only one that can tell it like you can tell it. And so you must tell it, testify, and exhort other people in what God has done for you. Somebody say amen. Another reason for the great growth, they were baptized. If you have not been baptized, verse number 41, if you have not been baptized since you have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, you should be, and it would be my delight to get you wet. We're going to have a baptism at the beach on the 25th. You need to come and be a part of this. We are rolling it into our all-church picnic. We're doing things a little bit differently this year. We're going to the beach. We're, we're going to play volleyball, and we're going to cook out hot dogs, and I don't know what all, but I know one thing. We are going to give a public testimony of new life. The old man has died. Behold, the new man now lives. Sign up today, and let's go out to the beach and be baptized. This is part of the reason for the growth. They were baptized. Another reason, ongoing teaching, right doctrine. Somebody say right doctrine. Verse number 42, our text, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. It's important that you hear the right doctrine, that you're fed the right food spiritually, and you will grow. Another reason for the growth, communion. They broke bread together. I believe this is, uh, this is speaking of communion. This is why on the first Sunday of the month, traditionally, this is our practice. We take communion here because I believe it's something that we are to do on an ongoing basis. And as we do it, we will grow. Why did they grow? Verse number 43, because they actually feared God, the fear of the Lord or the awe of God. Have you, have you lost your sense of awe? Have you lost your sense of wonder? Does God still blow your mind? If you've lost that, you probably won't be growing. May we never become so uh, used to God's spirit and God's presence and God's grandeur and God's creation 
the fear of the Lord, the awe of the Lord. They grew because of prayer, verse number 42. They grew because of signs and wonders, verse number 43. They grew because they were united and they were generous with what they had, verse number 44. They grew because they met in the house of God, verse 46. And they also met in homes, verse number 46. They grew because they were people of praise, verse 47. Look at that closely. Study that and you'll see all of these aspects of why they grew. There's one aspect that I want to focus on especially today and it is this. Fellowship. Fellowship. What comes to your mind when I say the word fellowship? Maybe you're thinking that means I need to go make my best batch of potato salad and we're going to meet later at the church for a potluck. This is fellowship for some people. In fact, what do we have to meet in? A fellowship hall, right? And so we, we, we've come to think fellowship means a potluck and bringing in your favorite salad or whatever. That's not what I'm talking about. That's not what the Word of God is talking about. What comes to your mind when I say the word fellowship? Well, sometimes we'll say, oh, wasn't it nice to fellowship with the people? And what we mean is we, we were talking to the people in the church before church started or in the church after the church started or in the foyer or by the fountain or in the parking lot. Now, all that's okay if you're talking about the right things. But I think sometimes people start talking inappropriately even in the house of God, even in the foyer of God, even by the fountain of God, even in the parking lot of God, and they call it fellowship when it ought to be called something else, and maybe I won't even say what it ought to be called because you already know. Don't label something fellowship when it's gossip or when it's inappropriate speech. That's not what the Bible's talking about. That's not fellowship whatsoever. Fellowship isn't socially gathering necessarily. What is fellowship? The Greek word for fellowship translates koinonia. Koinonia. How many have ever heard the word koinonia? If you've been in church any amount of time, I would dare say you've probably heard this word. Koinonia. It means fellowship. Strong's commentary he translated it like this. Koinonia, fellowship, means sharing, unity, close association, partnership, participation, a society of people, a communion, a fellowship, contributory help. Or a brotherhood. This is what we're speaking of today when we talk about fellowship. Koinonia is a unity brought about by the Holy Spirit. Where there is koinonia, the, the individuals share in common an intimate bond of fellowship with the rest of those in that group. Koinonia then cements relationships. Koinonia or fellowship cements your relationship with God, but it also cements your relationship to other believers. Growing through fellowship. First John speaks very decidedly about fellowship. 
authentic fellowship, the real deal fellowship. I want you to turn in your Bible to 1 John. We're going to spend the rest of our time this morning in 1 John. I want you over there with me, please. 1 John chapter 1. Everybody turning in your Bible. Come on, let me hear those pages turn. Let me see those tablets turn. Turn in your tablet. I love that. Uh, Sue sent me a a church of the future, and I didn't have all of it, but it said something about turn in your tablet, turn in your phone to 1 John chapter 1. It's really not even the church of the future, is it? It's really the church right now. Listen, I don't care if you've got the leather-bound edition. I don't care if you've got the King James Version. I don't care if it's on your phone or on your tablet. You better have the Word of God with you so the Word of God can get in you. 1 John chapter 1, I want to break this down. Three thoughts today. Let's start with the beginning of fellowship. What is the beginning of fellowship? Keep in mind koinonia. Keep in mind partnership. Keep in mind unity. Connection. What is the beginning of fellowship? It starts with the conveying of truth. Write it down. The conveying of truth. 1 John One and one. That which was from the beginning concerning the word of life. What is truth? What do you believe to be truth? Truth is Jesus is eternal. Truth is Jesus has existed from the beginning. How many believe that Jesus has just always been and he will always be? Because he's from the beginning, because he's eternal and he's always been, then it only makes sense to say this. We believe that Jesus is God. There's God the Father, there's God the Son, Jesus and God the Holy Spirit, we here at La Palma Christian Center believe that this is in keeping with the Word of God. We believe Jesus is God. That's the truth. John 1.1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. This is the truth. The truth has been conveyed. But just because the truth has been conveyed, the truth has been laid out, doesn't mean that everybody is going to believe the truth, does it? In fact, we live in a society, we live in a world that would rather believe a lie than believe the truth. And in fact, they want to distort the truth and twist the truth to line up with their lifestyle. Come on, somebody. The truth is conveyed, then there needs to be the convincing of the truth. I'm talking to you about the beginnings of fellowship. It starts with a a conveying of truth, but you've got to be convinced, don't you? You've got to be convinced. And and I like like what, what John says here. He says, that which was from the beginning, look at verse number one again, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, we've touched this thing with our own hands. I'm telling you, we are convinced. We've heard it. We've seen it. We've looked upon it. We've touched it. We're convinced. Because... John was convinced and those 
disciples, those early disciples were convinced. You know what happened next? They connected. We had a little, little video of, of Legos connecting, right? Trying to, trying to tell you something here. You're, 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 you're meant to connect. Your connection has to start with God. But it goes further. It goes deeper. Connecting to the truth. They decided the truth was conveyed. They were convinced of the truth. And so they accepted the truth or connected to the truth. It says that they, they bore witness, verse number 2. You know, the best witness in a court is an eyewitness. You can't say, well, my brother was there, my brother said, or my sister said, or so-and-so said. You know what? They'll shut that down so fast. That's what they call hearsay. But if you say, I was right there, the judge is going to sit back and say, let me, let me hear about it. See, this is the, they are eyewitnesses. They're saying, we heard, we touched, we saw, we smelt. We were there, and so we believed, and we connected to the truth, and now we want to connect you to the truth. It says that they bore witness, and then it says that they declared. We declare to you. The life was manifested, verse number 2, and we have seen, we bear witness, and now we declare. How are people going to know that you are a Christian? How are people going to know that Jesus healed you of epilepsy? Maybe that's my testimony. Are they going to read my mind? I've got to open my mouth and declare. I've got to tell somebody about this truth that I have found. I found a Savior, but I didn't just find a Savior. I found a healer. I found a Savior and a healer, but not just a Savior and a healer. I found a deliverer. I found one that is, is strong through the storm. Hallelujah. I found one that is closer than a brother to me. But I have to open my mouth and tell somebody. They declared the truth. This is all the beginning of fellowship. We have it, we, what we have is so amazing, we should want to tell everybody about it, how we've been saved, how we found eternal life, how we've been healed, how we've been delivered. Life groups are a great opportunity for you to begin your fellowship. Connection with God and connection with others. But there's the matter of breaking of fellowship. Number two, let me talk to you just a few moments about breaking fellowship. Verse number six of 1 John 1, if we say we have fellowship with God, yet we walk in darkness, we lie. And we don't practice the truth. Have you ever known someone that started right? But somewhere along the line, somewhere along the road, they got off track. And now they're not even serving God. It happens all too often. People start strong. Elliot and Butler wrote a great song not very long ago. Uh, Finish strong. And in this song, it talks about running a race. We're all in the race. But in the race, you may get tired. In the race, you may stumble and fall. But this song just says, keep running. Get, get in the race. Get back in the race and finish strong. 
Just because you say you're a Christian, <laughs> that doesn't mean you're a Christian. There are two ways that I believe fellowship can be broken. First of all, willful disobedience. Willful dishonesty, excuse me. Willful dishonesty. You can't lie. You can't say one thing and then your life says another. You take a survey today and you'll find an astounding number of people who will tell you that they're a Christian. But yet, their life doesn't actually line up with that. The Bible says you know a tree by its fruit. That's exactly right. You can't just say you're a Christian. Your life has to actually speak for you. Are you truly a committed Christian? Or are you just saying that? Willful dishonesty. No pretending with God. You may fool your parents, but you won't fool God. You may fool your pastor, but you won't fool God. It's time for honesty, church. It's time to be real. And just be who you are. Because who you are and who God created you to be is good enough. You know, as a, a preacher, as a pastor, there's a tendency to, to want to be like uh, maybe another pastor or somebody else that's doing great things, and so you're always kind of struggling. But when I find, when I, when I come to uh, relax in who God made me to be, <laughs> you know, it's not all that, but I think I'm, I'm more effective. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm just me, you know, and, and, and then I can really... I can, I can convey the truth better to people and I think the people receive it better. Instead of trying to be something that I think you want or something that somebody else is, this is it. This is who you get. But see, that's where God wants us all to live, Stacey. Just be you. Be you and you're a good you. You know, each one of you, just be who you are. Be honest. Be honest. Willful dishonesty breaks fellowship because lying... Watch this. Lying is still a sin in the Word of God. It didn't change. I'm talking about the little white ones even. I'm talking about the ones that everybody else thinks it's okay. And, you know, they'll say everybody lies. Our society will say everybody lies. And they make allowance for it. They make room for it. I believe God is still calling us to holiness. How many believe God has still called you to holiness? And if He called you to holiness... He'll help you to live holy. Lying is a sin. And if it's not dealt with, it will become a pattern. It becomes part of your lifestyle, which leads me to the second way that fellowship can be broken. Not only willful dishonesty, but walking in darkness. Walking in darkness. You know, they say that those who have lost their sight or even those who maybe were born blind have an uncanny ability to memorize their surrounding and their setting. And so, because of memory, I know we have Elder Kalu here who's lost his vision, and maybe he will testify to this, but he probably has memorized his surrounding. He has a home in Nigeria, and now they have a home here, and we're really glad that you all have a home here. And we're really glad when you come back to the United States and get to live with us for a little while. But I'm sure that Elder Kalu has learned to navigate, even though he's lost his vision, 
he has learned his homes and his surrounding. And so if Sister Salome would put a lamp out in his way, see, that wouldn't be good. Or move the furniture a little bit because he's already learned, even though he doesn't have vision, he's learned how to walk in this darkness. And that's, that's a wonderful ability that we have built in. But I think how many Christians are really doing this kind of thing? They've just learned to navigate in the darkness and they're still putting on their Christian smile and they're still saying all the right words and shaking hands and they're just putting on a mask. But they're really walking in darkness. And this, folks, will absolutely sever the fellowship. Remember, we're not talking about potlucks with God. We're talking about unity. We're talking about participation. We're talking about a brotherhood. We're talking about a community. Walking in darkness. Walking in deception. Walking in unrighteousness. Walking in evil. Walking in greed. Walking in anger. Walking in lust. God help us. God help us today. Life Groups is a wonderful, built-in safety to help you with dishonesty. I'm telling you, we've got, we've got facilitators, hosts, and participants that are going to call you if you're out of line. They're going to keep you in check. We need this, folks. We need somebody to keep us honest, to keep us holy. Otherwise, we'd just do it on our own. Why do you think you struggle the way you do? Because you need, we need one another. Life groups is this built-in safety to, to help you in these areas. And for sure, they're not going to let you start walking in darkness. If you're missing for any amount of time at all, I promise you somebody's going to get on the phone and say, where you been? Right? This is, happens all the time. It happens all the time. And so if you're not plugged into life groups, here's La Palma Christian Center thriving and sailing and, and doing some amazing things. Speaking of amazing things, Pete yesterday was off the chart. We're going to be doing all these amazing things like back to the school bash and you're going to be out here in a little dinghy by yourself struggling. Church, I can't stress to you enough, this is what God is doing. This is where he is leading us. It's not a passing phase. Life groups and doing life together is what God is doing here at La Palma Christian Center. So you must get involved. And there are blessings of fellowship. Let me wrap this up. The blessings of fellowship are many. The benefits of fellowship, first of all, the connection with God. You have unity and communion with God. Our fellowship, verse number three, is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. Having fellowship with God. Having communion and connection with God. If there are no other benefits, this is good enough, but it gets better. The second benefit is a cup full of joy. Verse number four, these things we write to you that your joy may be full. A lot, of the, a, lot of, a, a lot of people struggle, a lot of Christians struggle because of the lack of joy. No joy. And it affects every other area of your life. 
But if you have fellowship with God and get connected and, and start growing, your joy will be full. It'll be replenished. And when you have joy, you also have strength because the Bible says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. I love what I'm hearing about, fellowship, about our life groups and the fellowship part of our life groups. People are being filled with joy. Now, joy isn't happiness. I'm not talking about happiness. Happiness is, you know, uh, it, it, I get to go to the beach today or I, I don't know. A lot of things make you happy, but things that make you happy, uh, when they're gone, then you'll be sad. I'm talking about joy. It's a river that runs so deep that no matter what you face, you still have joy. This is a benefit of fellowship, a cup full of joy. The third benefit, clarity in our walk. Watch this, verse 5. This is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. How many are glad that you found the light today? Come on and let me see your hand or shout amen. You found the light. You were walking in darkness, but now you found the light. Now watch this, verse number 7. If we walk in the light, hallelujah, as he is in the light. We found the light, and then we can continue to walk in the light. And he gives us clarity in our walk. Benefit number four, I said something about connecting to God and communion with God. How about connecting to others and communion with others? If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. A great benefit, folks, connecting to somebody that has ability that you don't have. I need that big time. My scope is small, I feel. <laughs> my, my, my ability is, is limited, I feel. So I need people that have gifts that I don't have. And then I find something out. They also need the gifts that God has put in me that they don't have. You see what I'm saying? You're not supposed to have all the gifts. You're not supposed to have all the ability. God wants you to have fellowship with him so you can have fellowship with somebody else and you can get connected to somebody else and they can make you a better person. Amen? Another benefit. Oh, I like this one. Number five, the covering of the blood of Jesus. If we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us of all of our sin. How many are still thankful for the blood of Jesus today and that it is able to cover all of our wrong, all of our mistakes, all of our stains? There's still power in the blood, folks, and fellowship will bring that covering of the blood of Jesus. I plead the blood of Jesus over my family on a daily basis. I plead the blood of Jesus over this church family on a daily basis. There's still power in the blood. Hallelujah. Benefit number six, confession of sins, verse number nine of our text. If we confess our sins, now everybody say if. Small little word with a lot of powerful meaning, if which suggests that you might not confess your sin. It's important, folks, that if you mess up, you fess up. You can tweet that out if you want to. 
If you mess up, fess up. It's so easy. God made it so easy for us. So easy that many times we miss it. If we confess our sins, you say, well, that's great. What's fellowship have to do with confessing of your sins? Well, I believe that I'm to confess my sins to God. And so I do that. And I have to do it on an ongoing basis just like you. But I also believe that we could confess our sins to other people. Now, not every other person. But see, James chapter 5 and verse number 16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another so that you might be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, having said, I think you should confess your sins to others, be careful who the other one is. I've been in meetings like this where somebody would pop up and say, I've been, I've, been, I've been trapped in this and I've been addicted to this and it's just horrifying. They're just confessing to God and everybody. Well, I believe you ought to confess to God and somebody. Not everybody. Come on, help me today. Not everybody can handle that. Not everybody should handle that. You're burdening someone, really, with information but a, a life group setting, Stacy, is a wonderful outlet for maybe a facilitator or somebody else that God is using that you can, you can confide in and have accountability with. And so confession of sins. And isn't it wonderful when you confess your sin and you just lay it out there? You're, it's freeing. It's freeing to confess your sins. If you mess up, fess up. And you'll, you'll be free. This is another benefit of fellowship. And finally, I just jotted down seven, but there's so many. The cleansing of unrighteousness. Again, verse number nine, if we confess our sins, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Is anybody thankful for the forgiving power of Jesus? Come on and just lift your hands one time and thank God today that he covered your sins. As you confessed your sins, he forgave you of your sins. I believe all of these benefits can be found in our life group ministries. Marriages are being changed as a result of our life group marriage, uh, our ministry. Individual lives are being changed. Homes are being changed. Brent, I want you to come. I've asked Brent Fry. He, he and Sandy have graciously opened up their home. And I don't think they understood in opening up their homes what all that meant, what all that entailed. There's, there's some responsibility on their part to make sure everything's ready and, and so forth. But I think the benefit has far outweighed any, any chore that might have been there. And I've asked Brent to just come and give testimony of how Life Group Ministries has affected their home and their lives. You know, four or five years ago, had you told me we would be doing Life Groups on Sunday night instead of church, I probably would have started looking for another church. Um, I didn't know any better. But when Pastor... Uh, revealed his plan to us and something just clicked in me and I knew this was where I was supposed to be and so I went ahead and signed up to host a life group before I even discussed it with my wife 
She adjusted. Not recommended, but go ahead. <laughs> she jumped right in. Um, and it's been the best experience of my life. Wow. I mean, we have an awesome group. Um, I've met people that were just acquaintances at church. Um, and I love them all. They have become family to us. And, you know, talk, there was talk going around of, you know, breaking us up and, you know, uh, replicating. And we had a little uprising going on in our house. It was like, this, this ain't going to happen. Um, if you need to, we will. Thank you. Um, but it's been such fun. I mean, we laugh just as much as we study the Word. And, you know, so it's, it's, it's a good atmosphere. I can go to any one of them and I say, you know what, guys, I have a prayer request. And we gather around, we get the anointing oil out if we have to, and we pray. Um, but the benefit to me is it's changed my life. Wow. I'm much bolder in my faith. And, you know. Love it. Someone needs prayer, we pray. It, it's that simple. We don't, yeah, well, let me go find Sandy. We, we pray. Um, and the, the change in my house, um, it's a dip, different atmosphere. Um, it's amazing. You know, my wife and I have been married 25 years, and our marriage is as stronger now as it's ever been. Um, I see the change in my kids. And so not only that, but God's blessed us in, in just all the little things that he's done for us. Um, my brother-in-law, out of the blue, called up and said, hey, let me take care of Kim's tuition this next semester. Wow. It's, it's just overwhelming what God's done for us. And I, you know, I believe that it's because we've opened our house. We've been willing to open our house up and let this happen. So let me challenge you. I, I know there's some people in here that are probably skeptical of life groups. There may be even some that are critical. And that's okay. But let me tell you, get off the bench and get in the game. Wow. This, this is where the church is going. And you'll be astounded at what God's going to do in this place. I believe this as everybody gets involved and people start jumping in. This place is going to explode like you've never seen before. Wow. And personally, I'm excited. I can't wait to see. Amen. Love it. Love it. Thank you. Wow. That's amazing, folks. I'm just telling you, this is our, our call is to grow. And one way I know for sure that we can grow is through fellowship. And one of the best aspects of fellowship is through our life groups. I look across this congregation and I would dare say the majority, majority of you call the Palma Christian Center your home, which means I'm your pastor. And that's a great honor for me, a great privilege for me, but I take it seriously. My, my call and my role in your life I want to be your friend, of course, and maybe I'll, I'll serve a, a few different capacities for you, but my primary role is I'm going to be your pastor. 
So my question to you is, for those of you who consider me to be your pastor right now, do you trust me? If you don't, you should find another home church, first of all. Uh, You really should. You should find a shepherd that you trust. And if you don't trust me, you maybe should pray about that. But if I'm your pastor and you would say, yes, I do trust you, then I want you to trust me in this. You must plug into a life group. It's vital. I believe critical even. And there's so many, there's so many that are open right now and available and you'll grow. You see, I have to answer to God. Why are they still on a bottle? They're under your care for years and they're still on a bottle. What's up with that? I'll say, God, I tried, you know. Maybe I didn't try hard enough, so I'm trying hard today. Because I want you to grow. I want you to grow like Brent's growing. It's amazing. You can almost just see the growth right before your eyes. And I see it in so many. Koinonia. Unity. Participation. Fellowship. you to bow your heads today. Father, we desire to grow. We know that you've called us to grow, but we need your help. We are your disciples, and you've called us to make disciples. So I pray, Lord, that you would take the words that I've spoken, Lord, and Bring life to them. Let it make sense for those who've heard it today, God. Let us grow, even through fellowship. Pray it in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. I want you to stand. There are sign-ups going on right now, just immediately at the the conclusion and close of this. And... um, Amen. I understand Steve and Jamie got got hitched a few days ago. So God bless, folks. Congratulations. Amen. They're married. Shake someone's hand, hug someone's neck, and have an awesome day in Jesus. God bless everybody. It's a kingdom thing.